Hey guys, welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series on one of my favorite markets of all time, the Texas Hill Country, Hook'em Horns. So guys, we're gonna do a 10 episode deep dive on investing in the Texas Hill Country. And we got 10 episodes here, I just said that, but make sure you hit that subscribe button because we are gonna do a quarterly update that you don't wanna miss, you guessed it, every quarter. And we do have some supplementary materials for y'all in addition to the content on this podcast. We've got those over at our website, theshorttermshop.com. So if you wanna know anything about purchase prices of properties in these markets, or we've got all of the income data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA. And we've got all of that for you again at theshorttermshop.com. If you guys wanna buy a short-term rental with a short-term shop agent in the Texas Hill Country, email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will hook you up. Or if you just wanna hang out with us more and talk about short-term rentals, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, We've got a great Facebook group, same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Or if you wanna talk to us live on Zoom, we have a call every Thursday. You can sign up for at strquestions.com and we will catch you guys over there Hook them longhorns. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show special episode series on the Texas Hill Country. Uh, today we're going to talk about common things that you run into in this market when you're managing, owning, running, all of the above a property. It's going to be kind of a short episode because we're not really in a market here that has a lot of natural disasters you have to deal with or things like that. But there are a few things that you'll probably run into at some point over the course of your investing career in the Hill Country. So I'll introduce my guests real fast. Both are Familiar faces, but Stacy, go ahead. Sure. I am Stacy Lancaster, the Texas Hill Country agent with the Short Term Shop. Um, also native Texan or practically native. I've been here most of my life and our adult life. And um, we own and manage three short-term rentals ourselves. Awesome. Thanks, Stacy. And next we have Reagan Natho. Reagan, you want to introduce yourself really quick? I'm Reagan Natho. I'm one of the agents of the short-term shop um, in Tennessee, but I'm a Texas native. So I love my state of Texas. Um, I self-manage my property here in the Smokies and love talking about short-term rental real estate. All right. Cool, guys. Well, we will jump right into it. Thank both of you for being here, by the way. So let's talk about some of the things that people are going to run into if they own in this market for a while. So this market, typically more of a long weekend market than anything else, also is definitely a not a completely bachelor or bachelorette party um, market, but it there's more of that here than in other areas because you're drivable from several of the large Texas cities, or I mean, the large Texas cities are technically the largest, some of the largest cities in the country. So from a great deal of the population of Texas. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. Is there anything in particular that we need to do or watch out for when dealing with bachelor or bachelorette parties? I would say yes. Um, So there are a lot of bachelorette um, that come to the Texas Hill Country. There's a lot of wedding venues. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of wedding activities in general. Thankfully, we really don't have like you don't have like crazy bachelorette parties. Um, most of these towns close <laughs> at like six and seven o'clock at night uh, with only a few wineries that stay open, you know, till nine. There may be one or two that stay open till midnight. So 
people are not getting like crazy. Um, you know, they're going out and having a good time. They are going back to the short-term rental and enjoying their evening uh, together and maybe drinking more wine. But honestly, we don't see a huge like problem with properties getting trashed um, from bachelorette parties. So I think just having very clear rules about um, you know, parties and expectations help us curb some of that. But honestly, it hasn't been um, a huge issue. I'm sure occasionally you get some wild people, but for the most part, they're, you know, they mind their manners pretty well. I think it definitely helps that this isn't an area that has like a central downtown like bar hopping area with mm-hmm. like a whole lot of like Nashville, for example, you got a lot of bars right next door to each other, a lot of Ubers, like not so many Ubers, et cetera, in the Hill Country. And yeah, there's a lot of wine tasting and goings on, but it's not like going to bar to bar to bar doing a bunch of shots like it is in Nashville. So it's a little more low key in terms of bachelorette and bachelor parties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they have those cool um, like bus tours for the bachelor bachelorette parties in, in the Hill Country. So it's not a bunch of people on the roads, you know, consuming alcohol at a bar and driving everywhere. You know, they, they make it a very safe, activity, um, you know, with, with those, the bus tours. Yeah, that was, that's a totally great idea because there's not, like I said, there's not any Ubers and people are drinking a lot of wine. So the bus tour, that's a really great idea from on the part of somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So, you know, we're just setting expectations in terms of, um, having parties or events. Uh, I know we had Karan on a few times talking about his wedding venues and what he charges for that and what the cleaning fee is for that. Um, and so just making sure that all of that is right up front in your listing, like, yep, it's totally cool for you to come have your bachelor bachelorette party here, but here are the rules and don't break them. Just, you know, just like any normal guest. So not a huge deal, just a little bit different set of rules and expectations. So not a, not a huge deal. Um, okay. So Stacey, you mentioned this off, um, off camera a minute ago that you guys are in a drought in Texas right now and not all properties in this market are on wells, but some of them are. So let's talk about what happens during a drought, what might affect our property during that time and how we can get around it. Yeah. And it's pretty rare for a property to be impacted. Um, so if you're on a well, um, in certain areas, like in Fredericksburg, I don't know anybody whose well has run dry. Um, but I do know some other areas, um, you know, a, a little bit closer to San Antonio where their wells have run dry because the drought, um, has, has gone on for so long. Hopefully we're coming out of it. We're actually getting a lot of rain this week. So that will definitely help. But what you need to do or what we do in that situation is you just have water trucks come out and fill your well up um, for you to get you through those dry months uh, until the rain starts again. And the aquifer, everything is on an aquifer um, here. So, you know, like deep pooled water under the ground is where even San Antonio and Austin get their water from. Um, So we're heavily reliant on you know, being able for those levels, water levels to be high enough. And they're, they're generally pretty high. I only know of a handful of um, people in one particular community that had their wells run dry. So if that does happen, so say we're in one of those areas that it it tends to happen, what do we do? (laughs) What do do I, my well runs dry? How, A, how do I know it's starting to run dry? Are there any signs before it's just like, hey, you have no water? Um, Yeah, I think you're 
the, and you guys might actually have more, <laughs> more insight because um, I know this is a little bit more common uh, in the Smokies, but I think the water pressure is going to definitely be your first sign that the water pressure is really, really low. Um, and then, you know, if you do realize that, Hey, my well is running dry, then a water company, you would just call, you know, one of the water companies around here that would come and bring you a big tank full of water and fill it up. Okay. So that's not too terrible if you're able to get it delivered. I've seen, you know, other markets that we're in like the Smokies, for example, I hate to on these other markets podcasts, always refer back to the Smokies, but that's where I own. So it's hard for me to not draw the comparison. Um, there's, you know, Really anywhere that there's wells, there's usually trucks that will deliver water because this can happen. So that happens in the Smokies too. Uh, and in which case you just need to have that company's number on hand before it happens. Do it now. Like if you're closing soon, make sure you have that all of that in your Rolodex now and you're not scrounging for it when the time comes. Because if you're scrounging for it, all the people that already had the number decades ago, decades ago, what? months ago, years ago, whenever, weeks ago, anytime before you got it, they will have already called and, and be on the list first. So you don't want to be scrounging at the last minute for anything, not just this. And one thing I want to mention, like in Fredericksburg, they are, I don't think these rules are in place yet, but they're looking at putting these rules in place. So if you have a swimming pool, it cannot be filled up with the city water. Um, it, it, this is talking if you are actually on city water and not a well, you have to have a water truck come and fill your swimming pool up for you because they're trying to protect the um, the aquifer water. That makes sense. That makes sense. And also, guys, something that you want to be aware of if you're either a riverfront or near enough of a river and near enough to a river, excuse me, that people would be coming to your house to stay at the river. I mean, to float the river. Um, they will shut the rivers down if the water's too low and it's going to be a hazard to float them. So if you're, if that's going to be your main attraction, which I hope that it will be mine one day, uh, just keep that in mind that when the water levels get low, they will close the rivers for floating because they don't want you to have any accidents. I actually had a guy, I was waiting tables in college at this pizza place called Manja that was terrible. And uh, the one of our, one of my colleagues brother was floating the river when it was too low. And he happened to hit like the bottom of his spine, like top of his butt at mm. on a rock, just at the right angle. And it came really close to paralyzing him. He was paralyzed for like a day, went to the hospital and it quote went away. I don't, you know, it, I don't know what that means, but um, so for that kind of freak accident reason, I think there's also some other like bacterial things when it's too low, they will close it. So keep that in mind and make sure that if you have a property that is the main attraction is water, that you're paying attention to what's going on with that. Yeah, it's a funny story. We, uh, a couple of summers ago, we always go um, up to Bandera and float the river like the first week after school gets out <laughs> and we went up one year and there was nobody there, like nobody, but it wasn't closed. And there were some signs saying low water levels, you know, may make water unsafe, but nothing like alarming. We're like, this is great. We had the whole river to ourselves. Uh, and then afterwards we were walking around the town and somebody was like, Oh, what are y'all doing today? And I'm like, we were floating the river. They were like, our river, <laughs> like there's bacteria. There's like staff in the water. And so anyway, we took, we oiled up essential oils and stuff and we all survived and had a great day having the whole river to ourselves. <laughs> I did the same thing once, but it was when it was raining and everybody was like, you don't float the river when it's raining. It's the runoff, the runoff. And they kept saying the runoff. And I'm like, what the hell's the runoff? So it's all of the crap 
from the land and junk that runs into the river. <laughs> and we did get sick. We, oh, everyone, man. there were three of us, we got sick. We're, and we thought we were having the best time and we were like, it was so moody. It was raining. And we're like, oh, we're so cool floating the river in the rain. And uh, then we all got sick and we learned our lesson about the runoff. It's not imaginary. Take the runoff seriously. <laughs> and how fast like the river can come up. <laughs> like you could have been floating the river and then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even think about that part, but yeah, you're right about that. (laughs) All kinds of reasons not to do. We all do stupid things in our early 20s, don't we? All right. So we've got water levels. How about this is something that people might have seen on the news at some point. So houses in Texas are not generally or not even houses, infrastructure, power, water, any of that is not generally made to withstand really, really cold temperatures. And so when that happens, when we get an occasional, which it'll happen once every few years, snowstorm, or not necessarily even a snowstorm, like a snow dusting, and then it starts to melt, and then it turns into ice, and then it refreezes. What happens then, my fellow Texans, or not fellow, I'm not one, but my Texan friends? Yeah, so that happened a couple of years ago when we had like the biggest snowstorm that I, I don't know if it was in Texas history, but it's the biggest one I've ever seen. Uh, and fr- freezing, freezing weather for multiple days on end. And a lot of people lost electricity. Uh, the power grid could not handle everybody, you know, turning up the heaters and trying to stay warm. So a lot of people lost electricity. Um a lot of people had, you know, pipes break and freeze within their homes. Um, and then a lot of people were perfectly fine. Like our house was perfectly fine. We never lost electricity, but my neighbor did. Um, so it's it's kind of just how you are on the grid. And so I would say in that case, um, you know, that's that's like a hundred year thing that doesn't happen hardly ever. But, um, you know, now we have like little propane heaters, you know, in case of an emergency like that to uh, keep ourselves warm and, you know, keep guests warm if that were to happen again. And not the ideal situation because don't necessarily want guests messing with propane, but it's kind of an emergency situation only. And they would only, you know, have access to them in an emergency. And what can happen is guests can get stuck. So what do we do if a, if some weather event like this rolls through and there's a guest in there, and then they can't get out. And maybe we have another guest coming. How do we manage that? I kind of try to get out. Go ahead. Yeah, you go, Reagan. You have more experience with this than I do. That's okay. <laughs> I just kind of try to get ahead of that. Um, I keep like a kit, like an emergency kit in my owner's closet that's got like some drives. I lost, you know, electricity and they couldn't leave. At least they have something to eat or snack on. Um, also, if I know that there's a weather event coming, I just try to let the guests know that it's coming. Y'all may not be able to leave, you know, let them, you know, make the decision of, you know, if they want to stay or not. And then just, you know, communication, communicate with your cleaner, communicate with your next guest, um, just make sure everybody knows what's going on. So, I mean, would you have them, I would probably in this area have them, if if there's nobody in the house and somebody's coming in and it looks like this is going to happen while they're there, I might say, hey guys, you know, I'll give you X amount of refund. If you guys don't want to come, I don't want you to get stuck. I don't want you to get stuck without power. Uh, I, this might be a situation where I would preemptively have them cancel so they don't get into a bad situation because you want to obviously have your guests' best interests and health 
in mind. Um, we do that again. I'm comparing to the Smokies like a jerk, but in the Smokies, we'll let them know like, Hey, it may be best if you don't come. And then also that can cover you a little bit. Like if they decide to come anyway, and then they get stuck and they want to call Airbnb and blame it on you that the you know, weather came through. So definitely something to think about. Um, what else? What else? So are there any other weather or natural disaster related things that we need to keep an eye on in this market or are fires a thing here? Or not really. Not really. Um, you know, occasionally there'll be a, a wild flat, wild fire, but it's never impacted any of the Texas hill country. Um, you know, so it, that's pretty rare. Uh, you know, it certainly could happen, but it's not really common at all. Um, weather is pretty mild for the most part, even in the winter, you know, most of our winters are not icy. Um, that's a rare thing as well. So it's good kind of, you know, pretty good year round weather that doesn't stop or impede travel most of the time. Oh, you know, one thing I wanted to go back to with the cold weather thing is that, um, a lot of times guys, since we are on heat pumps, which means electric heat in this area, if it gets super, super cold, like down to the zero-ish level, your guests are going to think that your heat doesn't work anymore. They're going to say, oh, you know, we've got it up to 80 and it's only at 60. It's because, again, these houses are not built and made and engineered to withstand that much cold like a house up north is. So especially I'll see people from Wisconsin be like, well, my my place at home, my my heat's super hot when it's negative 20. Well, yeah, because it gets that cold every year and these houses are built to withstand it. The heat is done a specific way. I'm not going to pretend to be an HVAC tech. I don't know, not using uh, scientific words here about it, but you know, the when they're installing these systems, they're made to withstand what is normal in that market. And in Texas, it's hot. So it's not normal to need that level of heat. So it won't be that, hey, it's not working or it's broken. It's just so cold. It's not keeping up the way that it should. So just keep that in mind too. Even if you don't have a power outage or people stuck, if it just gets down really cold, then you can have that problem with the HVAC. Um, also, dripping the the sinks, dripping the faucets. Do you guys want to talk about that? Yeah. When it's um, expected to freeze, then of course, drip your... Well, I always advise my guests to please turn the faucets onto a low drip so that the pipes don't freeze and you know, then we have bigger problems. Um, so the more proactive you can be on any communication, you know, with any kind of event, the better off your guests are going to be and the better off your property is going to, you know, weather the whatever's going on. Yeah. Are we on, are we mostly crawl spaces in Texas? No, we don't. Slabs. Um, it's mostly slabs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I'm not aware. <laughs> Do are the the heaters in heat pump in Texas? I don't think I ever remember having a heat pump going up. Yeah, I don't think no, they're not heat pump. It's just I don't know exactly how it works, but it's just an electric. Yeah, um, I don't know how, but I've I've not heard anybody say heat pump when talking about heaters here. So So it's just like a combination. It's electric regardless. So it's not gas. It's not going to be like yeah. Yeah, some people have gas, but electric is primarily what you're going to have. Okay, cool. Um, all right. And we got to drip the sink. So the pipes don't freeze because if the pipes freeze and then they unfreeze later, I, the ice expands and cracks the pipe. And then when it turns back into water, it shoots everywhere. That actually happened to a house that I lived in in Texas for a little while. So, um, all right. Anything else? What else have we not talked about? Those were 
all my points because again, guys, this isn't a market that's really heavy in terms of natural disasters or a lot of weird systems that you have to deal with. So I told you it was going to be a pretty short episode, but do you guys, can you guys think of anything else that needs to be mentioned? Uh, I'll just say summers are hot here. Um, So having a good, strong working AC is, you know, a must and, and all the ACs are, you know, should be in good working order, but having the uh, name of an HVAC technician on hand, just in case anything goes wrong, especially in the summer um, that they can get out there right away and take care of it. So that your guests aren't sweltering. Yep. Totally agree with that. Have a list of like five of them because it mm-hmm. is really hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you guys can think of? No. Uh, the only thing in some of the like river communities where tubing and, you know, people going to the river is a big deal. You may get uh, a lot of younger uh, guest or re- guest request. Um, those can lead to, you know, people partying and things like that. So just being really clear on your rules and your age limits uh, and sticking with those is going to help protect you in that type of situation. And having your your price point, you know, at a good, you know, you don't want to be the rock bottom in these markets because you're going to get a bunch of college kids, you know, who are coming and paying 10 bucks a night (laughs) and having (laughs) a great time. Yep. (laughs) Uh, oh, I was going to ask this. So blue bonnet season and them blooming later than usual. So I know in some of our mountain markets, it's like, oh, leaf the leaf season's here, leaf season's here. And it's always been October. But then, you know, the past three or four years, it hasn't been until like mid-November and people get mad. The, the leaves aren't changing. Is that a thing with the blue bonnets? Because I was wondering, I was thinking about. Yeah, if we get warm nights earlier in the spring, or, or even late winter, they can um, start blooming a little bit early because they get tricked into not understanding <laughs> what season it is. Um, but the good news is, is we have a long wildflower season. So blue bonnet season is fairly short, but wildflower season is pretty long. Uh, and so even if the blue bonnets aren't blooming, you're going to see tons of other gorgeous wildflowers Um you know, driving around the Texas Hill Country. In fact, even now I was driving around last week and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is still so pretty. Oh, good. So Cool. Because I know people get like, very, moms especially, very mad and like take it so seriously about getting those Christmas card pictures in front of the blue bonnets. It's a thing yeah. like on the side of the interstate, babies are crawling by the side of the road, wherever they can get those blue bonnet pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get by snake trying to get a blue bonnet picture on the side of the road. So yeah, it's, well, it's not just the highway traffic that'll get you. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think that's pretty much it. Like guys, I told you at the beginning, it's probably going to be a short episode because there's just not a lot of crap that happens in this market, which is good. You want this to be a short episode if you're planning to buy in this market. So. Uh, if you guys want to buy in the Texas Hill Country, like I do, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com to get connected to Stacy. Or if you just have more questions, you can join our Facebook group and you can ask any question that you want. It's called Short Term Rental, Long Term Wealth, same title as my book. And we also have every Thursday a live QA on Zoom. You could sign up for that at strquestions.com. Thanks, y'all.